Oh, good morning. Very warm welcome to our service of worship on this third Sunday in Lent. And uh, as we come to worship God, may you know his loving presence with you. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem his people from all their sins. And so let's worship God as we sing together our first hymn, the modern tune to uh, this, the words of the 23rd Psalm, The Lord's My Shepherd, Mission Praise number 1008.
Let's pray together. Lord God, our shepherd and king, lover of our souls and mighty saviour, as we gather today to worship in your holy presence, we give thanks for your goodness and mercy and all the ways you bless our lives through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you that we may join with the worship in heaven to proclaim your glory, who is Lord of lords and King of kings above all and beyond all, yet present with us by your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of love and truth. Guide us in all truth, we pray, as we hear your word, and help us to be transformed as we worship and adore you. Thank you, gracious Father God, that you have loved us so much that you gave us your only Son to die for our sins so that we might live forever in your family of faith. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways we have not followed your paths of love and truth, but instead turned our own way in our thoughts, our words and our actions. Cleanse us with your life-giving water and fill us again with your loving spirit that we may live in love and for your glory always. Through Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, let's see what we've got in our Bible today. That's uh, one of these. What's that? a sheep, a toy sheep. Well, we're going to be thinking about sheep in a moment or two, but I'd like us to think, first of all, about how we are sometimes, people look after us and, uh, you know, do things for us, maybe uh, make a meal for us or um, make sure that we're okay and things like that. And um, I just want to, you to think about who, who looks after you? Who, who looks after you, Ruben? Family, that's right, and um, I'm sure uh, you know, whether it's family and friends, there's people that we can um, count on to, to look after us or to look out for us. And, you know, um, sheep need to be looked after as well, and I wonder if you can tell me who looks after sheep? Uh, the shepherd. The shepherd, that's right. And we're going to have a story today about a shepherd, a really good shepherd looking after the sheep. And Jesus told this story um, about a shepherd and a good shepherd and his sheep. So if we could have the picture up, um, that's uh, just a picture of a, a shepherd in the fields with their sheep. And now a good shepherd knows their sheep well and actually it says knows each one by name. That's amazing. And a good shepherd looks after them and wants the best for them. And he leads them to safe places, makes sure that they get the best grass and the best water. And at night time, 
the shepherd leads them to uh, a sheep pen so that they're protected and kept safe from robbers and, and wild animals and anything that would hurt them. And all night the shepherd keeps, keeps watch over the sheep to make sure they're all right. Well, you know, we've got a good shepherd as well who looks after us. And God sent Jesus to be our good shepherd. And Jesus, Jesus uh, knows us. He knows us by name. And he knows what we need. And so we can trust that he uh, loves us and wants the best for us. And we just need to call on his name and follow him. And he leads us in the, in the good places. So we're going to pray about that now. And before we sing again, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you are our good shepherd who loves and cares for us. Thank you that you know everything about us and you know what we need. Thank you that when we choose to follow you, you promise to always be with us and we are safe with you. Help us to listen to your voice and follow you every day. Amen. Well, we're going to um, sing now, and the, we're going to sing Be Bold, Be Strong, um, which is Mission Praise number 49. And just to remind you that there are a few actions which you're welcome to, to join in with. Um, so, be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. continue now before we come to our prayers for others with a, a responsive psalm for Lent and we're um, going to be singing together some of the verses from Psalm 95 and uh, if you follow and read the words that after it says all for on each screen. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. 
In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for the family of God's people gathered here and in many places. We thank you that you have given us a place to belong and to be nurtured and supported in our faith. Renew us with your loving compassion to take the message of the gospel to the world around us in so much need. Eternal God, who is mighty to save, we bring before you now those who are suffering in body, mind, or spirit. For those who are ill or in pain, for those who are grieving, for those who are struggling, bring your healing, your comfort, and your peace. And hear our silent prayers now, for those you have placed on our hearts to remember. Loving God, we thank you for all that you have given us in Christ. We thank you for the hope we have that one day all things will be renewed, that every tear will be wiped away, that all death and mourning and pain will have passed away, and that your love will reign throughout the earth, Keep us faithful with all those who have gone before us and who now live in your nearer presence. Inspire us and strengthen us to keep walking in faith in the joy of your loving presence day by day and to live for the glory and the praise of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Well, we're going to sing in a moment, uh, Lord, you are more precious than silver, which is mission praise number 447. Let's stand together. Yeah. 
Today's reading is from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 42, and Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? 
My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that sufferings produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love, own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. May God bless us through his words. So for our next hymn, we are going to sing the contemporary version of Amazing Grace with the added chorus. So we all know the history of Amazing Grace. It was written by John Newton uh, while he was a terrible slave trader, but then God transformed him and he expressed that how his wretchedness was changed and transformed by the love of Christ. Uh, but coming to the modern version, Chris Tomlin had written it for a movie, uh, Amazing Grace, a movie on William Wilberforce, and he never thought that it would become so popular. One aspect that I want to just point out is that his ransomed, uh, the, the line says that, my chains are gone, I've been set free. My Lord, my Savior has ransomed me. So just imagine a master paying ransom to free a slave. 
that's something unheard of and that is what our lord and savior jesus did which we just read that while we were yet sinners christ died for us so we'll sing this song Final chorus, can we all lift our hands and sing it to God? My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me.
pray as we come to God's word. Lord God, we do thank you for your amazing grace and for the truth that sets us free. And we ask that as we come uh, to listen to your word today, as we have heard it read, and as now as we think about what you want to say to us through it, we ask that you would speak clearly to our hearts and our minds, that you would uh, encourage us and uh, renew our faith in you and our trust and our hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask that you would speak to us now by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. The other day I noticed a book at home um, that was given to me as a gift at the end of my time a number of years ago as an assistant minister in the city of Dundee. And the book is called Dundee, A Portrait of a City. And inside it is a description of the city of Dundee with many photographs of it. Now, any book which records a place is, of course, only going to be a snapshot of what it's like. It can only show the past up to the present. And since the book was published, the city of Dundee has indeed seen a number of changes to it. Um, it's not, perhaps, we can say the uh, the, a place that's always had the most glowing praise as a place to go and visit. Um, but in recent years, Dundee has, as perhaps some of you have, who have visited it recently, it's seen many positive developments and changes, especially in the city centre and along the front of the Tay estuary. And so the portrait of a city taken a few years ago is very different from the portrait um, that would be taken now. When we look around, at, around us, whether it's in the city we live in, or our local community, or if we look at the lives of people we know, we can also see a kind of portrait of things. We might know something about the past history. We might see how things have changed over the years whether for better or for worse. But I wonder if we ever think about what might be. Can we paint a picture in our minds that gives a portrait of hope, a picture of transformation for our city, our community, our own lives, and the lives of those around us? It's certainly not always easy to see beyond what is, to see what might be, to see beyond the difficulties and discouragements in our present day, to a day when people and places are transformed by hope. One of the most wonderful blessings in the whole of the Bible, which comes towards the end of the letter to the Romans in chapter 15, verse 13, is all about hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a wonderful blessing, um, to be filled not only with joy and peace, but to be filled to overflowing with hope. 
what God's Word reveals to us, which we can know in our own experience, is this. God is the God of hope, and to God there is no hopeless situation. There is no place and no person beyond the scope of God's hope to transform and to bring joy and peace. There is no group or community that may not be touched by his spirit of love. There is no place our living Lord Jesus may not enter to bring real hope that lasts. I have to say that um, I actually really love the story in John chapter 4 of Jesus meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well in the town of Sychar. Because if ever there was a person whose life painted a portrait of hopelessness, she would be near the top of the list. As we discover, this is a woman whose hopes of being in a stable and loving relationship have been crushed several times. The fact that she'd come to draw water from the well during the hottest part of the day, when normally it would be done during the cooler hours, indicates she's been ostracized. But into this life where hope is in short supply comes Jesus. Breaking a number of the social and religious barriers of the day, Jesus, who is sitting by the well as the woman approaches, asks her for a drink. He makes an opportunity to have a conversation with her. In the exchange which follows, she is at first dismissive of Jesus' offer to give her something that she really needs, living water that will fill and refresh her soul. However, as Jesus begins to paint a portrait of her life, her past, the changes there have been, Right up to her present, she must have had quite a surprise. Recognizing that Jesus, speaking into her life as a prophet, she tries to deflect the conversation away from the rather uncomfortable and no doubt painful topic of her failed relationships and present challenges. And yet, in painting this portrait of her life, Jesus isn't doing it to show her up. Rather, he's showing her that God is very much aware of her life. Jesus is telling her that God has come to give her hope. So rather than only revealing her life as it is now, with all the pain and heartache there has been, Jesus has come to paint a portrait of hope for her future. He's come to speak God's words of hope for her by giving her the gift of living water that will cleanse her of her sins and fill her with hope in God's love for her through the Holy Spirit. But this story isn't only a story of hope and transformation for this one Samaritan woman. It's also a story of hope for a whole town. 
as she shares about the man who told me everything I've ever done by painting a very different portrait of her life, not only as it's been, but filled with new life and hope. Many more come to hear Jesus. What begins as a conversation at a well becomes a changed community because in meeting Jesus the Messiah, they discover the life of hope in God's kingdom breaking through into their lives, painting a portrait of hope for them all. It's really quite amazing to think that the first town to see widespread transformation and people coming to believe and trust in Jesus as the savior of the world was a Samaritan town. Because in those days, the Jews and the Samaritans weren't in friendly terms. They were quite divided with different religious understandings of the correct ways to worship God. But what Jesus was doing was to show them that God is the God of hope, even for those who have lost hope, even for those who are divided, even for those who are not naturally expecting anything to change for the better. He was making a way through the divisions between men and women, Jew and Samaritan, the outcast and the respectable. He was showing them that to God, whatever our past, our present, he is the God of hope and he is able to transform our lives by the living water of, of the Holy Spirit. For when God pours his love into our hearts by his spirit, as we read about in Romans chapter 5, verse 4, then we are able to worship him in the spirit which we have received from him, in the spirit and in truth. It's no longer about the externals of religion. It's about the response of our hearts to the love of God for us through Christ Jesus, our living Lord and Savior. But what is the basis of this hope? Well, Romans chapter 5 describes it as being first, founded first and foremost on God's great love for us, which reaches out to us even in our sin and rebellion against him, as it says in verses 6 and eight to 8. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we consider the enormity of the sins of the world, including our own sin, we can begin to get an inkling of how great God's love for us must be. That God loves us even after all the things that we do, that we all do, that cause pain and hurt in our world. Our anger does, uh, our sin does anger God too, because he cares so much for all people. He hates what sin does to us, leading many into darkness and death. But because of his great love for us, God sent his son Jesus to take the punishment for our sins when he died on the cross. 
so that we might be forgiven and made right with God, who is only ever good and right in all his ways. God, in his grace, has given us a way of hope, a way out of our darkness into the light and glory of his presence. By trusting in Jesus, we receive God's forgiveness for all our sins, and we're justified in God's holy presence. There is no longer anything to separate us from him because Jesus has taken our sins away on the cross. That's why it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. However, being given hope as we come to God and receive from him and walk day by day with him, trusting in his goodness and provision for us. It doesn't mean that uh, life will be free from difficulty or trouble. Romans 5 verses 3 and 4 actually reminds us that while we receive hope as a gift from God, it's also something that we grow into as well. Growing in hope comes from persevering in our walk with the Lord through times of suffering. We all suffer because we live in a fallen world in which suffering is a part. But whenever we follow our Lord, we also have to remember that troubles are part and parcel of living for God. When we go God's way, we often travel against the tide of what the world thinks is a good way to live. And that's not always easy or comfortable. However, through all the difficulties that we face, we can learn to lean on God's grace. The grace that he can give us each day as we come to him. And so as we lean on him, our perseverance develops character and hope in the God who promises to lead us and to keep us in all of our life, like the Good Shepherd. And because we follow a living Lord who was raised from death and is seated at God's right hand in heaven, we can know his saving power in our daily lives for all that's ahead. As it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, For if while we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We have then a firm foundation for hope through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith, we receive forgiveness for our sins and the gift of eternal life. And yet, we have also been given the job of sharing the hope we have in Christ with those around us. And in this task, we, we do, however, need to ask God to help us to look with hope whatever we face to look for hope for those around us and for those in our world. But the good thing is, it's God's speciality, if you like, to help us to see beyond what is or what has been and to look ahead with eyes of hope. 
to paint a portrait of hope and transformation for the people and places that he loves so dearly. And so this week, why not ask God to help you to look with eyes of hope, trusting that he is able to transform even the most unpromising situations and lives. For through the grace and love of Jesus, in breaking through the barriers to meet the Samaritan woman at the well, he painted a picture of hope for her life. And a whole town was transformed in the process. What can he do through us when we begin to look with eyes of hope? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that um, you came to us through our Lord Jesus Christ, that you broke through all the barriers that we erect between each other and between you and us through our sin. We thank you, Lord, that uh, through uh, that uh, message of hope, a whole town and a, a, a woman's life was transformed and changed forever. And we thank you that we can come to you today knowing that that same hope is available for us, your living water to renew us and to strengthen us, to give us new life and hope, whatever our situation, whatever the situations of those on our hearts, those around us, that you are the God of hope who is able to do the impossible, to change the human heart, to bring life and light where there is darkness. So we thank you for this message of hope and ask, Lord, that we will see your hope, that we will look with your eyes of hope in the coming days. And as we come this day and as we present our offerings and ourselves to you, Lord God, we offer you our thanks and praise for all that you have given us, all that you will give us, and all that you give us here and now, through Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord, who leads us forward in hope, for the glory of your name. Amen. We close our time of worship as we sing our final hymn today, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. Mission Praise number 522.
And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and remain with you always.